wonders of his love and wonders and wonders of his love. Lord, we just thank you for this day. We thank you for this time of year, Lord, when we celebrate your birth. Lord, we know that um, uh, you came so that we might have life too, Lord. And we just pray, God, that you would uh, bless our church, bless those in our community. God, bless those, Lord, that um, need you the most this year. Lord, we thank you so much for who you are. And we pray for Brother Darrell today as he comes and delivers your word. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Good morning again. Welcome to the Lord's house. If you have your Bible, we'll turn to, we'll start with Galatians 4. 
four, taking a kind of an extended break from the book of Hebrews the last couple weeks, and this being the Sunday before Christmas, the theme will be a little more Christmassy. Galatians 4 4, and there's an outline of this on the message on the back side of your announcements. You'd like to use that, and there'll be several other scriptures that we'll use. I was thinking about, uh, of course, Christmas when I was getting ready to preach, and I was thinking about last Christmas. And uh, can you remember last Christmas? Yeah. How well, now some of you may not have been all that strange. It's very strange for us. The, the Christmas meals being changed, moved this year because of the, all the uh, storm relief in town. And so, you know, that's just, that's just the way it needs to be. Uh, last year, the Christmas meal, a lot of us weren't, some, a lot of us were there and a lot of us weren't there. So many of us were, were sick. Uh, COVID was so uh, prevalent last year. And so everything was, was changed. Uh, we didn't have d- delivery meals at the Christmas meal. And so if, if you worked at the Christmas meal last year, you knew that there was a lot of, a lot of things changed. So anyway, I, you probably hadn't even thought about that, how odd uh, Christmas was last year. Well, I was thinking last year, I thought, well, surely next Christmas will be, you know, different. I'm not different. It will be back to the way it all, always is. I don't know that anything's back to the way it all always the way it always is or always always was. Uh, so anyway, you never know what to expect at Christmas time. So here we are, Galatians chapter 4. But a lot of that, what I just said, goes in to uh, what I want to say about Christmas and Jesus coming. Because you do know, you do know, right, that the birth of Jesus is what Christmas is, okay? And so God coming to man, God, God visiting us, God sending his son to us, God giving his son to us. That's what Christmas is all about. We're going to look at that story. Galatians 4, 4, but when the fullness of the time had come, what's that mean? Just the right time, right? Just the right time. God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law. Now, if you'll go from there, we'll go to the more familiar Christmas story, Luke chapter 2, but only read 1 through 7. What I want to do is I'm not going to try to bore you to death, but I do want to look at the history because what Paul said in Galatians 4.4, just the right time, in the fullness of time, God sent forth his son. So it's, I don't want to uh, say that God was waiting for the right time because God doesn't wait like we think of waiting. See, we're waiting for the right time to come. God's, I know he's waiting because there is time, but he already knows it. He's not waiting to see how it turns out he's not waiting for okay i'm gonna you know how we do i'm gonna wait till the time is just right no it's not like that it's this is the fullness of time and god's just simply waiting till time gets to that point i think that's a pretty good way to say it god's waiting for time to reach that point because he already knows how it's going to work he already knows what so the fullness of time at just the right time and that's what I want to look at well what time was that what was going on and Luke for some reason it's the only reason I can think of he he explains it a little bit by giving us the names that he, uh, that Luke gives this guy was in charge this this man was governor this man was king he didn't instead of just saying in the year whatever he doesn't say that. He never says in the year of 
and all that. He gives us the names of the people who are in charge. And by that, it tells us what the times were like. When Caesar Augustus, when he was in charge, that's what, this is what the times were like then, in the fullness of time. But then, so we're going to look at that, try not to bore you to death with the his, history of that. I'm not going to spend a lot of time with that. But really, the point's going to be, but what then, now, what about our time? Just the right time. Uh, there's just no way around it. For instance, what our community is going through right now, a, tor a tornado comes through. And it seems like, you know, a tornado coming through two weeks before Christmas. That's like the worst time. But, we'll, you know, it's, you can't imagine how much that thought helps me with, this, with, with what I want to say. You can't imagine how bad the times were when Jesus was born. So, in a way, a, a tornado two weeks before Christmas, well, that's just like the worst time. Well, can anybody name a time that it is a good time for a tornado to come through, for one thing? How can it be the worst time? Last year, a lot of us were so sick with COVID at Christmas. It was like the worst time. Well, is, can anybody name a good time? But, you know, isn't that what, in a way, isn't really that what Christmas is all about? Jesus coming at just the right time. Instead of the trees and the gifts and all that's fine. I'm not a humbug. I'm, I'm not. I'm all for that. If you, I'll just say it right now. If you want to get me gifts, I'm not against it. I'm not against it. But you know you don't need to. I'm just kidding you. But really, isn't Jesus coming at just the right time? And often, isn't it during our worst time? When really, that's when it counts. That's when it counts. It's not Jesus coming in our best time. It's Jesus coming at our worst time. So, uh, you're... There, Luke chapter 7, be on the screen. The part of the familiar story, we're just going to read down to verse 7. And it came to pass in those days. Of course, these are the days Jesus was born. But Luke doesn't tell us a year. We know the year, but he doesn't tell us a year. He just says that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus. A decree. There was no vote there was no board meeting. There was a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world uh, should be registered. Some say tax, the census. Everybody re registered. The census, this census, took place while Quirinius was governing Syria. So all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. Everyone. Everyone. So Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was a house in the lineage of David. He was an, David was his ancestor. To be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. She was also, David was also an ancestor of Mary. And so it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling clothes, 
laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. So those were the days. Caesar Augustus, the first Roman emperor, he is the beginning of emperor worship. He's the first emperor period. Uh, the em emperor worship, the emperor as divine or the emperor as God. This will make more sense to you. I'm, you know, I want, to, I want to tell you this here. So Caesar Augustus, the first em emperor, and it just grew and it grew because before that, Rome was a republic. They would actually vote on things. No, no more. He, he eventually got rid of all that, and it became more and more that, uh, that Caesar Augustus was like a god, and then it became Caesar Augustus is God. And he didn't, he didn't discourage that. In fact, he, he encouraged that. That's the kind, that's the atmosphere. That's the time when Jesus was born, where the emperor is viewed as God. It, that, will, that thought will make more sense of you. If you read your Bible, and if you read through the Gospels, the, the differing times when Jesus and the emperor, Caesar Augustus, they don't ever cross paths, they don't ever meet. But the times when Jesus' name brought up and, and Augustus' name brought up and the conflict there, why? Because do you remember that often Jesus is called the king of the Jews? The king of the Jews. And you can imagine why that rubs some people raw because, because uh, Caesar Augustus is emperor. They're really, you know, they're, Jesus said that he was God. Do you, you get that? You, can you see as you read through the Gospels and through the rest of the life of Jesus where that would really create some issues? King of the Jews, Jesus as God. But Augustus says he is God. And uh, like the coin, when they brought the coin to Jesus, Caesar's, Caesar's pictures on that coin. Who should we give allegiance to? Who should? Things like that. And so when Pilate uh, was crucifying Jesus, he insisted that, that they write on, the, on the, uh, the sign on the cross, King of the Jews. And so said, no, no, no. Just, just say that he said he was king. Pilate said, no, what I've written, I've written. King of the Jews. He wanted Caesar to see that. He wanted Caesar to see that. This is why Pilate could say, this is why I'm crucifying him. He said he was king of the Jews. Uh, at one point, some tried to, uh, at one point, Pilate tried to let Jesus go. And somebody hollered out from the crowd, if you let him go, you're no friend of Caesar. That shook Pilate. That statement right there, I think, is why Pilate went ahead and did. Now, I know we're talking about Christmas, but I just want you to see the importance of Caesar Augustus. And this is the time when Jesus was born. The first man, not the, I, I doubt that he's the first man that ever claimed to be God, but he's the first man that really people begin to wonder because he's so powerful. This is the age, this is the time when Jesus was born, where the emperor thought he was God, claimed to be God, and others just kind of, kind of encouraged that. And you were afraid to say, no, he's not. Might cost you your life. Quirinius, not really much to say, but, it's, but the scripture says, this, when this uh, 
this census, so this was the first one, there, there were more. Okay, when this census took place, and again, uh, Caesar didn't take for a vote, and he wanted to know who everybody was, and he wanted to know where everybody lived, and he wanted to know where everybody was born. He wanted to know all of that, and so the census took place. So there's that, the fullness of time, and that's, that's the time, the age that Jesus was born into. Let's do that a little bit more. Matthew chapter 2, verse 1. Verse 16, we're moving ahead. The wise men did not come to the manger. The wise men came to Jesus' home, to the home of Mary, Joseph, and Jesus when Jesus was uh, somewhere less than two years old. That's, that's all we know. So he was a young child when the wise men came. I don't know that there were three. They're just, we know that wise men came. But that's kind of where we're shifting to now, this time when the, the wise men came. We want to pay special attention to this man, Herod. Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men came from the east to Jerusalem. Okay, you know the story, right? They, uh, the wise men left another way. Uh, felt uh, Herod felt tricked, and so we go on to verse 16, and there'll be two screens here. <clears throat> this is where I want to stop with the history. When we read this verse, I want you to feel how terrible that this verse is. Probably you've read the Christmas story over and over. You've heard it. You've seen it in plays. You've, it's over and over. And you've probably read through this verse a hundred times, maybe a thousand times, and just read through it, not realizing how terrible that this is. So Herod, the king, uh, he knows the wise men have come. The wise men were told to leave another way because of fear of Herod. And this is what happened. So when the wise men tricked Herod, went another way. Then Herod, when he saw that he was deceived by the wise men, was exceedingly angry. And he sent forth and put to death all the male children who were in Bethlehem and in all its districts from two years old and under, according to the time which he had determined from the wise men. Can you imagine that? All the, all the boys, two years old and y younger, killed, gone. Now, it's probably hard for you to imagine living in a small town, okay? But that's what Be Bethlehem was. If you can just kind of somehow imagine living in a small town. And then they were not too far from, from Jerusalem, which is a large town. So they were kind of a suburb. Of Jerusalem, so it's probably hard for you to imagine living in a small town in a suburb from 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 a larger town, but that's where they were. One night, soldiers came through that small town and killed every boy two years old and younger. Can you imagine that? The governor, the mayor of our small town, giving the, giving the order, not the okay, the order, go through that small town, 
and kill every boy two years old and two years old and young younger can you just i i can't really it's hard i've never been through anything like that but i it's just it's hard for me to put myself in that place but we read through that verse that's just this is one verse we read it we read through it and we don't get how terrible that that was you know, I've, I've thought about this. I've never used this thought bef- before in a, in a message at all. I've, I've just never had. But I've been thinking about this for years. This, this thought right here that uh, it's, it's odd how history tells that story. And, and Matthew's not the only one who tells the story. There are other historians who tell this same story because of... Because Herod, the king, felt deceived, he had all these boys killed. Um, let's go ahead and look at the next screen. Herod, the king, sometimes he's called Herod the Great, and behind his back, he was called Herod the Butcher. That's who he was. He was also a Jew. Let's just go ahead and put this next thought up. Caesar Augustus himself, because Herod was a Jew, said it's safer to be Herod's hog than his wife. Because every time he mistrusted his wife or what, she was dead. Every child he had that, that didn't do what dad said, they were dead. That's who Herod the king is. And he's over this district. The thought I've had uh, often I've never used before, that on that night as the soldiers went house to house looking for, looking for two-year-old boys and less, a lot of a lot of little boys died that, that night. But no soldiers died. And no parents died. No dads died. Every dad in the house, if there were soldiers going from house to house to kill your child, what are you going to do? No soldiers died. And no parents died. What's that say? For one thing, there's two ways a soldier can die. One is one of the parents will kill him. The other is if the soldier refuses to do it, he, he will die. So the, so the order, order came down for, all the soldier, for the soldiers to go house to house and kill little two-year-old boys and one-year-old boys. And none of the soldiers apparently refused to do it. And so they went from house to house, no soldiers died doing their job, and no parents died trying to stop them. These are the times that Jesus was born into. This is the age that Jesus was born into. Okay? There should have been some soldiers die that night. And there should have been some parents die. But that tells me the soldiers really didn't care that much, and it tells me the parents really didn't care that much. And nobody tried to stop Herod, the king, even Caesar Augustus. Caesar Augustus knew, knew about this. Nobody tried to stop him. There was no, ret- no retribution. I started thinking about this years ago because I, w- I don't know what I, w- I was getting ready to preach. 
But I was reading a, reading a commentator, and the commentator actually said this as he, as he wrote about that incident. He went back and he, and he looked up what he thought might be the population of Bethlehem at that time, the population of the districts around it, and he said in his commentary on this story, he said, well, the population would have been about this and, and blah, blah, blah. And so there would have only been about 50 boys killed that night. You hear what I just said? And I said it exactly the way the commentator wrote it. You hear that one word? Only? There would have been about only 50 boys killed that night. That may be true unless what? One of those boys is yours. Only. That's the, the age, the time that Jesus was born into. I don't know if it's the worst time. I don't know if it's the worst. I don't know if it's worse than our day. A lot of bad stuff goes on in our day. But you know what? When you start thinking about that, was that time worse? Was this time worse? I read a, uh, I didn't read the story. I read the headline last week, two weeks ago. There were public executions in North Korea because of the type of music that they listen to. If we start doing that in America, a lot of, teen, a lot of teenagers are going to die. Yeah, but that's, so I don't know that the work that is worse, better, every age has its stuff. Every time has its stuff. So Jesus was born into that to where the the emperor acted like he was God and Herod uh, acted like he was God and, and God over life and God over death. Those, those are the times that Jesus was born into. Familiar verse on the screen, John 3.16. Every age and every time, every age and the times so every time, it's going to have people like that. People who just take, take, take. You know what, uh, what the word narcissistic means. Just It's all about them. It's all about them. It's all about what they can get, what they want. And so you've got a, a king. Just, I mean, it's just almost more than we can imagine because of... He was afraid that uh, there was a king born that was going to take his place. So he had all these little boys killed because it's all about him. Because it's all about him. But look at what John 3.16 says, right? For God so loved the world that he what? Gave. That he gave. Where every age, every time is going to have this group of people or these groups of pe people they're all about what they can get where it's all about them but God's not like that and you're never the, the, the truth is you're never going to find a time you're never going to find an age you're never going to find a generation that's not narcissistic that it's not all about them if you look down through history every age is going to have their stuff we've got ours but God so loved the world that he gave. And it was true then. 
And it's still true. Christmas is going over and it's happening again and again and again. God so loved the world that he gave. And I want you to just, just concentrate on that word. That he gave, that he gave. And that's what he's doing still. It could have been in that, that year that Jesus was born. But that is still happening again. It happened in that age, in that time. And it's happening in our age and in, in our time. It doesn't matter what is going on around you. It doesn't matter about the people going on around you. It doesn't about matter about the government going on around you. It doesn't matter about the culture going on. There's always going to be something. There's always going to be someone. There's a Herod and there's a Caesar Augustus in every age. But there's a Jesus in every age. The Herods and the Caesars change. Jesus doesn't. And so there's, there's going to be that, there's going to be Jesus in every age. And God so loved the world that he gave. Now, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Now, what Jesus did for me, he's, if you started counting, if I started counting all the things that Jesus does for me, you know, that's good. All the things that he's given me. All the things that he does for me. I mean, that's, that's a good thing to do. But you know, the times, the ages, life, culture, has its, it always has its ups and downs. One Christmas, there's COVID. Next Christmas, there's a tornado. What's going to happen next year? I don't know. You don't know. But there's all, that's, that's always going to be. But God gave, I want you to see that, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. That's eternal life. I just want to tell you what I hope I tell you over and over again. I hope you hear me say this so often. It's like you, you just already know what he's going to say. It's that eternal life. There's going to be so many ups and downs. That's okay. But there's one thing that's consistent. Jesus has gone to prepare a place for me. Everlasting. Jesus has made a way that I can go to heaven instead of hell. Jesus has gone to prepare a place for me. And he has promised me eternal life. Now until then. I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what Christmas is going to bring. I don't know what next week is going to, going to bring. There's so many ups and downs in life, and, and Jesus is in charge of it all. But I know one thing, that Jesus has gone to prepare a place for me. He's given me eternal life. He's promised me heaven instead of hell. And I've got to keep, this morning about 4 o'clock, I woke up. And I was thinking about all the things I've got to do. Thinking about all the things I've been doing. All the things I've got to do. And just over and over. And I know this message sounds an awful lot like the message last week. But I'm just kind of stuck there. And I, I said to myself, you know what? What I need to concentrate on is Jesus and what he's done for me. And that is promise me eternal life. All this other stuff, I mean, I know it's important. 
But that's the one thing. What I'm going to ask you to do is concentrate on that one thing. Because I know that you've been through a lot last week. And I know this is the week before Christmas. I know very well you've got a busy week. I don't care who you are, okay? I don't, you've got a busy week. What I'm going to ask you to do, because this, this is church, and so what we're doing t- today, right now, is just concentrating on that one most important thing, though. Jesus, and he's given you, he's promising you, he's offering you eternal life. He's gone to make a place for you. He's promising you, promising you heaven instead of hell. That's the most important thing. I'm going to ask you to right now just concentrate on letting that be the most important thing. Not what happened last week and not what you've got to do next week. We're still going to do that stuff. But putting Jesus as that most important thing. Because every age has got its stuff. But Jesus is eternal and consistent. I'm going to ask you to stand and musicians come. And that's what this prayer time is. It's, just, it's a time for us to take a break and, and concentrate on the most important thing. Musicians are going to come on up. I'm going to ask you to bow your head, if you would, please. Let's do this right now. Let's just take that break from everything that's going on, all that you've got to think about, all the plans, that's all good. Nothing wrong with that. But those, those change, and next year it's not going to be the same. But Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And you know very well, he's the most important thing. But it's just real easy to forget that. And to let other things push that out. Well, that's what this time is for. For whatever the need is, whatever's going on with you. And maybe it's just to come, you know, there's absolutely nothing wrong with coming to an altar and say, Lord, I don't have anything to ask of you. I just came to praise you. I just came to praise you. Lord, I don't have anything to ask of you. I just came to thank you. And, and it could be, Lord, I do have a lot to complain about but I don't want to. I just want to come and thank you. I just want to come and praise you. Lord, I want to thank you for eternal life, that there's life after this life is so much better than this life. I just want to thank you for that. So it very well could be that there's no, nothing to ask for, but a lot of things to praise for. Whatever it is, if you need to ask, if you need to praise you need to just take a break say Lord I just want to spend this time making sure that you are the most important thing so while they play and sing let's take a prayer break and if you want to come to an altar and pray or just stand and pray or have a seat on the front seat you are encouraged to do that if you want to come and pray we ask you to come to explain
Jesus, the life that He gave. So many times will I praise You today? I lift up my life, 'cause You're always the same. To the 
the cross you knew that I need a Savior I need a Savior I need you 